Hi, this is Father Michael Denk from theprodigalfather.org, and I'm here with Father Bob Welsh, who's a Jesuit. And first of all, Father Bob Welsh, could you tell us a little bit about some of your curriculum vitae, what you've done over the years? Oh, what I've done over the years was I was a teacher. I taught in uh, high schools, both U of D High in Detroit, University of Detroit High School, and St. Ignatius in Cleveland. Um, those were wonderful years. I enjoyed especially getting to know the kids and the boys because we have only boys' schools in my province. Um, no, that's not true because Walsh is ours and Walsh is a co-ed school. Um, but anyway, um, some of the things that I've done, well, as I say, I taught and I enjoyed teaching. I enjoyed teaching Latin and uh, history. Teaching theology is more difficult. That's because there's a fairly common curriculum for teaching history. It's history, and mm. that's all there is to it. But in theology, I found theology more difficult to teach because every kid thinks he's a theologian, and so he will, you know, come out with unbelievable things, and I have to control my laughter and then um, try to answer as, as well as I can. Uh, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed that very much, uh, and I would go back to it if I could, you know, in a wink. Mm. Uh, but I, I was pastor of the Jesuit parish in Toledo for three years. I also gave the spiritual exercises many times uh, since I was ordained, and that was in 1967. So I've given the exercises a number of times and have enjoyed that very much because you enter into a person's life which is very sensitive and you had to be very respectful of that person who he or she is and how they're responding to what you're trying to get across to them i have found that to be a profoundly um, powerful experience because what you're doing is you're entering into the life of the spirit who is entering into this person's life. And so you are somehow providing access to that life and celebrating that life. Mm -hmm. um, I've been very fortunate giving the exercises to many different people, men and women, older, younger. Um, it's been a, a great time for me. The first time I met Father Welsh, it was actually an eight-day retreat that he led me on. And uh, Bob, it was a wonderful... The first time I really came to know Jesus and the Father personally, they became very real in my life. 
and and you help me to to see that especially and so a lot of what i'm doing today is because of the first retreat that i made with you so um, i actually do talk about you in my book pray 40 days so if you haven't read the book i encourage our listeners to 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 read that but what i'd like to know about you bob is how your your prayer how this began in you so if you think about yourself from the time that you were a child what was your first memory of prayer Hmm. I remember being as a very young boy in my mother's arms and praying uh, at the same time. I remember um, being with my, I have two sisters, I have three sisters, one who died um, before I was born. And... um, I was very close to my sisters, and I had two brothers. I was less close to them, um, but my the my brother Jim, uh, who continues is living now, I'm, I remain very close to. He's a marvelous guy, and I I dearly love him. Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't know how to describe other than praying with my family. I did that, and we prayed the rosary together. That was a big thing. My mother said three to five rosaries a day, and um, she she was an extraordinary woman, very close to God, and she um, she was the one who, by her prayer, by her encouragement, taught me. Mm. Uh, and I, by because I wanted to be like her, I prayed like she did. And she had a personal relationship with the Sacred Heart. Mm. The Sacred Heart was absolutely everything to her. And she felt very much at home with him. So... Um, one of the things I loved about that that relationship was she treated Jesus as though he were a son or a brother to mm-hmm. her. So, and she would say things like, "Well, now you better get busy on this." <laughs> Whatever it was, I I can only wait so long. And she would talk to him like that. This is where you got it from, then. I huh? did. Yeah. Yeah. And so today, by the way, is this feast of the Sacred Heart. Yes. Yes. And it's fitting that we're talking about a relationship to the Sacred Heart on this feast day. Um, but I enjoyed praying. Oh, how would you put it? I enjoyed praying in a ordinary way, uh, speaking to Jesus as though he's a... Not as though, that's a mm-hmm, terrible way mm-hmm, to put it, mm-hmm. that he's a personal friend, and you're checking in with him throughout the day. You seek him out, and you spend time with him, and you, you may have... I, I have fun 
with him. Um, I will talk to him about, you know, strange things that happen. You know, like, um, oh, Lord, will you take a look at that woman in that hat? <laughs> she does not know how to dress. But I'm not going to inform her of that. Um, but we would carry on discussions like this, because I feel very much at home with him. And I'm very grateful for that. And I got a good part of that from my mother. Mm. And I got it also from the spiritual exercises, because I've been making the exercises now for over 50 years, and I've had different people, you know, explain them to me yeah. as retreat directors. And so I've I've been just very fortunate mm. to to feel comfortable. That's the way I, I speak of it. To be comfortable with Jesus is to be comfortable with a good friend. Mm. And so therefore, I treat him like a good friend. I mean, I will kid with him. I will talk in a very direct way. Um, I will clown around with him, you know, tell him he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, and what does he, does he talk back to you? Oh, yes. Tell, tell me about that. Well, I will sometimes get this. You think you know so much? <laughs> Let me just show you, Buster, you know, what you don't know. So he, he's very, very able and very ready to put me in my place. And he does that, and I enjoy it. I enjoy, because I, I know we have this relationship of a very personal love and a relationship of friendship where uh, I count on him as a friend, as someone I just like being with. And I'll tell him that. Lord, it's great to be here with you. It's great to spend time with you. I'm so grateful to you that you would spend time with me. And so I'd wait a bit, sort of cons consider that, and then, you know, maybe I would move on, and maybe I would just stay where I am, mm -hmm. depending upon what seems right. And what seems right is usually his movement because he's the one who is in charge of this conversation. I'm trying to get close to him and tell him that I love him. And I do tell him that I love him. And he lets me know of his love and his love for people, just people. I, I love to... Um, it's one of the reasons why I, I watch the news, because I, I get insights into people, and then can ask the Lord to heal, to help, to understand, to spend time with those people. Mm. So that's a very rich life which I have on occasion. It's not as though I have it all the time. I don't. But on occasion, um, 
and usually it's more often than not because I just feel so constantly at home with him, at ease with him. And um, I can kid him. I can tell him, you know, I'm always telling him, where were you when St. Ed's beat us in football? <laughs> where were you? This, this, this is not the Jesus Christ I know and love. Come on. So we kid with one another that way. We clown around. Um, and I've, I've taken to praying for people that I know and spending time in my mind with them mm. and asking the Lord to give them the things that they need. What they need, first of all, is a relationship with Him. Yeah. So I ask the Lord to let Jack here know who he is. Now Jack does know who he is, but I will ask the Lord to deepen that relationship so that he knows ever more clearly that the Lord loves him and celebrates him and is wild about him. I love that mm -hmm. that phrase, the Lord is, well it's not a phrase, it's a sentence. The Lord is wild about you. Just wild. He's lost his mind over you. It's, it's just that kind of depth. That sort of... Um, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know that it's... It certainly is informal. Um, but I think it's right. I feel comfortable with that kind of prayer. So I do that. I um, I enjoy it. I celebrate it. And um, I have a good time praying for people. People that I know, people that I love, people in my family who, who are dear to me. Um, I'm very fortunate to have been introduced to this kind of prayer when I was a young man mm. because my prayer life has been opened up and it's wide as the world and so I try to take the world in when praying and praying you know the way Jesus would like me to pray so I I ask him for that gift a gift to pray, Lord, as you wish, as you wish me to pray, and to be interested in you, Lord, mm. not just know you, but be interested in you, in your ways, in how you f would phrase something, in what you would do at a, in a particular juncture, um, and ask, and I ask him to help me fit in to his plan, whatever that plan may be. So I have found that to be a rich way of praying, a rich way of praying, uh, of just spending time with him and enjoying that and kind of telling people about it. You know, 
I, I, I felt very much at home. I feel very much at home with some people mm -hmm. so that I, I can speak to them. I feel at home with you, Mike. Um, I feel as though if there were any, um, what would you call it, An anything that would separate us is taken away. Mm -hmm. I feel that way about Jack, too. Well, could I be so bold as to say that, you know, some of that at-homeness is probably because you've come to know how accepted you are as you are by the Lord. I think he gets a kick out of you. you know, I think I, so, too. <laughs> I think as I've come to know and love you over the years, I can only imagine what, what the Lord thinks about you. I think I think that's true. I mean, I I think he, he would say, well, God knows you're a horse's ass. <laughs> And I said, yeah, that's right. That's nothing new. And now, most people wouldn't think to pray like that. Sorry? Most people wouldn't pray like that. Oh, I think that's <laughs> prayer. Because you're you're in his presence. Uh -huh. You're speaking to him about something that's interesting, at least to you, you know, which is your own prayer life. Yeah. So, I, I find that that really... Absolutely everything can speak of Christ mm -hmm. or of of Jesus, of the Spirit, of the Father, if you so desire. And I do desire that, which is a great gift. And I know it. I mean, I certainly have lived part of my life being unaware of any of that. So becoming aware mm -hmm. of it, has, has changed the depth of my life, and I'm grateful. And I think that myself and probably a lot of people have experienced that, not feeling that in prayer. What was it like for you? What kind of affect did it have for you when you were praying with your mother? Was it something that you were bored by? Did you enjoy it? What was that like? Well, I enjoyed it because... I was doing something I knew she liked. Mm. She wanted me to pray. So did my dad. Mm -hmm. My dad was, uh, my dad was a holy man, he, and I, I mean I know that as a, as a fact. Why do you say that? Because he was a man of great justice. He um, he loved people. He served them. He was a bailiff in, in court. Okay. And so he served people, he was funny, and he would laugh at himself, but also he would laugh at different situations. We had uh, this, um, I don't know whether you'd call it a, a, a regular thing, but my dad was great at telling stories. I'm terrible. I'm just terrible at that. He was great. He he could take, oh, he could take a... Um, he could imitate an Irishman. He could imitate a Jew. He could imitate, um, you know, someone from. In fact, he was very good at it. Uh, some someone from the Middle East, or especially from the, uh, just from the East, in in the sense of of um, Poland. 
Romania, that, he, he could take that, that way of speaking, a broken English, mm -hmm. and he would be hilarious at it. And so we used to, what we would do is after supper, we would push everything into the center of the table. So dishes and uh, the meat or whatever it was we were having, push it into the center, and Dad would regale us. <laughs> With stories from the um, the courthouse, mm -hmm. and I used to look forward to that so much. I think he did too, because he loved an audience. He he uh, he was always very happy to have an audience, um, and he and he enjoyed it, uh, and we enjoyed him, so that. There was a wonderful give and take mm. in our home. I had, uh, when I was a young boy, I was the youngest of six by many years. In fact, I asked my mother once, I said, Ma, am I a mistake? And she said, yes, you are. Mm. I said, well, I was hoping not to get that answer. And she said, you probably wanted a, you know, the truth, didn't you? And I said, well, maybe. And she said, well, I, that's what I gave you, was the truth. And yes, you were unexpected. But I want you to know, and she, she did that. She didn't have to tell me. I knew how dear you are to me. Mm. And I knew that I was very dear to my mother and father. And we had a family that grew up, and I was the youngest, and we were very close. We loved one another. I had a problem with my brother. Of the six children, one of them died in um, when he was when she was quite young, about three or four years old. Um, and it was a great thing to be able to live. And I knew it. I knew it was a great family and a great opportunity to be with one another, to love one another, and to enjoy this marvelous relationship that I had mm -hmm. with my brothers and sisters, and my mom and dad, and with the Lord. It, it, was, it was like heaven. It was just wonderful. Um, I wish I had been as wonderful as the relationship that was offered me, but I wasn't. No, because I wanted to be liked. I wanted to have people enjoy me. Mm -hmm. And so I was careful that I, you know, I, 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 I lived thoroughly, openly uh, with my family and with our neighbors. We had wonderful neighbors. And I would spend time going over to their homes. Um, my mother used to always say, um, we had a, the Bertoli family lived next to us, an Italian family. And I would, they, they were right next to us. So in the summer, their windows would be open. And I'd say, Ma, shouting out the window to my mother, which was right next door, 
I said, can I stay for supper, you know, with the Bertolis? Did you ask if you could stay? No, Mom, I got, they just asked me. He said, yes, you may. And I soon picked up on the fact that if I had done anything to prompt this mm -hmm. invitation, she would say, no, come home. Mm -hmm. So I, I had relationships with the neighbors. Um, I, had, I had a great godmother who lived on our street, Gaylord Avenue. And we were very close. Mm. That, that's, I was just, I was thinking of her like a week ago and um, how dear she was to me, how good she was to me. So I had a lot of people who were very kind to me, very loving. And I am grateful to this day, to this moment, for the goodness, their goodness. And to one me. of the things I know you've taught me is that these people help us know who the Father is. We tend yes. to image God by the human love that we have received. Right. You know, so it seems that from a time that you were a child, you had a wonderful experience of family being the primary church. You know, family That's right. where you really experienced this sacredness in your own family, this, this life of the Trinity. That's within right. your family. That's right. And we, we had various devotions, you know, in our family. So we had a lot of flowers around and And in May, we always had an altar to Mary in her honor. Mm -hmm. And we would change the flowers, etc. And I would change the flowers. Um, and, you know, for my, for my sisters, for, you know, because they might be dying or something of the kind that wanted it to be very nice. So those things, um, relationships were very important to me. I mean, I didn't know why they were, mm -hmm. but they just seemed right. And it seemed to me as though, and I used to say this, I'm living a marvelous life. I didn't know why, but I would say to people, do you know my brother? Do you know my sister? My sister Elizabeth, whom I remained very close to until her death. Mm -hmm. um, I had a sister, Mary, who died in childbirth. And I had a sister, Alice, who died at about four years of age. So I had these relationships or semi-relationships because I had a sister who died before I was born. But I have you know, taken to speaking to her, mm. talking to her, mm -hmm. asking her questions. And I know with all my heart that these people, mm. and that would be, it, it's like, You know what it's like? It's like um, a whole group of people, and you see their faces, and you know them, and you, and you know the stories about them and relationship to yourself. And, you know, for me, this is, oh, maybe 
100, 200 people that I was close to and I remain close to, or some who have kind of just moved moved away, or I moved away. Mm-hmm. But what I got was the awareness of being loved. Mm-hmm. I knew I was loved. I was loved by my dad. I was loved by my mom. And I was loved by my sisters and brothers. And I was the last one. And so, and I was, see, the next one was my brother Jim, who was eight when I was born. So, you know, I I was really at the end of the line. And, but I was aware of the fact that I was loved by my family. Mm -hmm. And that, I would say, that is more important in developing a child than anything else I can think of. Mm-hmm. That you and the Lord are going through this day together. And that's what it's been for me. So you had that wonderful foundation of love with your love from your family and of your family and right. prayer with your family, devotional prayer, right. the rosary being held and prayed with it with your mother. Did you have any time of personal prayer or private prayer when you were growing up? Oh, sure. What was that? What did, what did you do, or how? what was that like? Well, I would talk to Our Lady because I had a devotion to her. I would talk to her as a friend and then ask her to take care of me or ask her to help the Wildcats win in football <laughs> this weekend, you know. I mean, it was kind of crazy in a way, but it was real. You know, it was where I was and where the Lord was with me. And then it it grew and grew in a different way, you know, so it wasn't just about kiddish things, mm-hmm. but more about uh, the world, the, the horror of, of, of what's going on in the world. Um, I would beg the Lord not to let me be aware of some things that I was aware of mm-hmm. because it would take my prayer in another direction. And I just wanted to be open mm-hmm. and enjoy him. I, I knew I had to be careful in that area and ask the Lord, as I do, I ask the Lord to keep this from me. Mm-hmm. I ask the Lord, I am frightened of some things. Rats are one thing. I'm just frightened of. And I beg the Lord not to let me see a rat in my room or in here any place. So I think that's wonderful to be honest about anything with the Lord, even if it be your fears or insecurities or yes. or whatever. Oh yeah. I mean I if you're not real with him, what's the use? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, because that's what he asks. He he doesn't want you to be pretending with him. He wants the real you. So, so when you you know, growing from the time that you were a child, maybe to high school, when did your prayer mature, or when did you start to hear the call to the priesthood, or how did that all, how did that all work? Well, priests and nuns in my family were very important. Mm 
Now, we had no one in my family who was. Well, I have cousins who are nuns. But um, it developed... I don't know exactly how, except that it was normal. Prayer was normal for me. Mm. So talking to the Lord was ordinary and usual. And so I would ask him, Lord, please don't let me think of rats um, mm -hmm. because I'm frightened of, of them or, or anything else that is usually, you know, I mean, I will, see, if I'm watching television, I may turn a channel off because it has yeah. snakes. Yeah. I'd say, no, I don't need to watch this. Um, it's, it may be goofy, but it's my goofiness. Mm -hmm. And it's the Lord who takes me as I am. And so I'm confident of that. Yeah. When did you first hear the call to priesthood? Well, I had an uncle. Yeah, he was my mother's uncle. So be my great uncle. Who was a holy man, he and his wife. He took care of his wife for like 30 years and she she needed help just in in living through the day. And he was very dedicated, and he knew I was, I had expressed an interest in the priesthood when I was a little boy. And um, he took that and ran with it, so that I got, I can still remember this, a small altar that was lighted from within, and there were candles that the light came up through them, and that I would have that, and I would pray before it. I would ask the Lord, and I would, or I would take a statue of Our Lady or of the Sacred Heart and place it on the altar, and then pray. Mm. And and that was from a very young age, like maybe six or seven. We had great priests in our parish. Holy Name Parish in Cleveland. Just wonderful priests. And so I got to know a few of them and felt at home with them. And the relationship just grew. Mm. So that idea of being a priest was something I can't even remember mm, when yeah. it started. It was just always there. Mm -hmm. When did you go into the seminary? After high school, I went in. I joined the Society of Jesus. Why? Well, I had been going to school at Saint Ignatius. I got to really enjoy the priests and scholastics. Scholastics are seminarians, Jesuit seminarians who who teach, who come out from what they're doing and teach for three years or so and uh, two or three years. Um, and I got to know them at Ignatius. I was in many extracurriculars, 
which were usually run by the scholastics. And I got to know them. And I had a lot of fun. And the thing that I saw was they had fun with one another. Mm. And I loved that. Mm -hmm. And so I said, I said, well, I would like to have that fun too. And I could kid around, you know, with people in my class. or And there were, let's see, three people, three other people, four people entered the society from my class. And um, I'm the only one left. When when you went, was there any marked moments of growth either in, in high school with the Jesuits or when you entered seminary where your prayer took on a, a different level? I don't think so. I mean, I'm not aware of it. Mm -hmm. it usually, <laughs> it's part of my dullness. It's usually I become aware of things after they've happened and then I say, oh, I guess that's what that means. Mm. And then enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. What about, um, you talked about, you know, the experience of directing people on the, in, the, in the exercises. What was it like for you to actually go through that yourself? My first encounter with the exercises when I was a novice. Now, all of us were going through. There were about 60 of us who were making the exercises. And um, there were parts of them that were very hard and then parts that were just delightful. And I loved them. Um, it's not as though there was a particular thing that happened which then brought me to this new mm -hmm. awareness. I, I wasn't aware of that. Perhaps it was happening, and I just didn't know it. Mm. Um, which, once you would get to know me, would say, "Yeah, that's part <laughs> yeah. of the course." Yeah, yeah. But he, it'd be, he'd be the last one it would dawn on. Well, how about the transition then into ordination or becoming a priest? Well, what was your prayer life like as you began to celebrate mass? And it was simply spectacular. I mean, I was so happy. I was so happy preparing for priesthood and then to be ordained. That was a big thing in my family. It was very important to, to, to everyone in my family mm -hmm. that I was going to be ordained. And um, I had a number of Jesuit friends, some of them, you know, elderly, and some of them, you know, younger than me. Um, and we we got together and would speak of it. Um, and I would simply say, I don't know, but God is doing something. I don't know, and I don't know what it is. But it was happening, because mm -hmm. I felt very close to God. And... I I certainly couldn't direct that, you know, and say, well, now is God's time, so I'll give him some time. Oh, no, this was all God. And I just had to um, listen to him, learn to listen, learn to pray, learn... I guess what happens, Mike, 
is that I no longer, over time, I came to no longer worry mm. about myself or whether I was pleasing God or not pleasing God or, you know, leading a good life or not. Those things just were, as he moved in, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I moved out. And so that was why I had such, I've had such a happy life. I'm very grateful for the life I've had because I spent so much of it with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And I say I clown with him, I kid him, I tell him off sometimes. He tells me off too, sometimes. Well, I think one of the things that you're known for, obviously, is St. Ignatius, and you were the president of St. Ignatius for how many years? 21. 21 years. And you certainly, with the Lord, have kind of left your mark on there. As you look back on that time, what do you think God did with you in terms of imparting this spirituality on that institution, on those people, on those students? I think what he did in letting me come to know him more and to feel comfortable in that knowledge of, of being loved was that I opened up and I became fearless in mm. the sense of, you know, am I pleasing God, am I not pleasing God, simply say, oh, for heaven's sakes. Of course, I'm pleasing God. What's what's wrong with you? Um, so as you know, just to to live life as it comes, mm. and to recognize that He's with you. Um, I had this desire when I was teaching. I did not have a desire to do anything else, and. I wanted to continue to teach because I enjoyed being with the boys and teaching them, clowning around with them, and etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But I was called to do this particular job, which was to raise money for the high school. And I, I said, I don't want to raise money for, for anything, and I, I, I don't want to do this. And the superior said, well, we need you to do it, because there isn't anyone else. I said, well, that certainly sounds good. <laughs> There's no one else, so we need you. Thanks a lot. But I said, okay. And then I, they wanted me to be the president of the high school. I didn't want that, because I thought that would draw Take me away. away from the kids. But as God would have it, that was an important part of my ministry, was recognizing that St. Ignatius High School is an instrument mm. in God's hands. And therefore, I should try to get this instrument in tip-top shape. And so, I, I worked at it from that point of view, that that was the only reason why I would go out and 
I had to go out and raise money, which is something initially I didn't want to do, then something I, I found mm-hmm. out that I was pretty good at, and I kind of liked it. Um, I, I, I'm not, I probably shouldn't say something like that, but I, I liked raising money for, for the school. I'm grateful to God that what I did was I turned everything over to him. If I was giving a retreat, for example, or working with kids on retreat, I would constantly keep them you know, in mind and in giving them over to the Lord, handing them over to the Lord. I used to do that. I used to go into our chapel in the residence. We have a beautiful chapel there. I would hand these kids, I would have their names, and I'd say, now, Lord, take care of so-and-so. Come alive to him. Mm -hmm. Let him see you and come to love you. So that was a very important part of my ministry, was to, and that's the only reason why I could do it, was because I was so confident of the fact that Ignatius was an instrument, Mm -hmm. as anything else is an instrument or not, is an instrument in God's hands, if you let it be that. Mm -hmm. And that was what I tried to do. That's beautiful. And I think that would be good for anyone to know that whatever they're involved in, whatever their work be, that that could be an instrument for God. Absolutely. And and people will be surprised what an instrument can do. You know, and you may say, oh, gee, I was was raising money. Mm -hmm. Well, that's not like teaching theology or something of the kind. No, but it's as important Mm -hmm as teaching theology or whatever, if it is what God wants you to do. Right. And generally, I thought God was asking me to do those things. Mm -hmm. So now as you transition into retirement, or have transitioned into retirement, what is it like, what's it like to be retired as a priest? And do you still pray, or have you given up prayer as as a retired priest? Sure. I try to spend time with him in the morning, and in the afternoon, and in the evening. And it may be uh, fairly short, you know, because I may be watching television or something of the kind, you know, and that must sound terrible to say. Here you've been talking about Christ and God and coming to know him, etc. And now you're talking about the real world, Mm -hmm. your real world, which is, you know, not all that uh, spiritual. But actually, I found it to be that anything that you're doing, if you're doing it with him and for him, is all you have to be worried about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and your whole life becomes prayer. Yeah. To pray always. As we come to the end of this, I'd like to ask you, there are many people that don't have what you had. First of all, a, a wonderful childhood, a wonderful parents. You know, I think you think about the kids that are raised up in broken families yes, today. Yes, yes. Um, or maybe that didn't have any kind of formation in the spiritual life, didn't have the opportunity to go to the seminary, doesn't feel comfortable with God, doesn't feel at home with God. 
what would you say to the to, to that person that is listening and this is totally foreign to them i would say w one of the things that would help you an awful lot is patience mm. patience with yourself and patience with god if you have particular kinds of prayer that you like practice them that that's fine i would hope that people could find it in their hearts simply to open themselves to the Lord mm -hmm. and call upon him and then let happen what happens because the Lord is interested in you praying. The Lord is interested mm -hmm. in you coming to know him. So be confident of that. And that might be the the key is that that patience, because some people will say to me as a priest, "I talk to God all the time, but mm -hmm. I don't ever hear from him, you know, or I ask him, but he 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 doesn't give me an answer. Does God speak to that person, or how does he how do they hear his voice? It's a darn good question. I think sometimes you hear when it's the right time for you to hear and when movement can come as a result of your opening yourself mm -hmm. to him. So, you know, someone who says, and I, I blame no one for what they're, what they're praying, well, I, I prayed and I asked God and I didn't hear anything. Mm -hmm. I would say, okay, um, what, what do you do then? Do you give up on prayer? Well, yeah. He he hasn't given me anything. I say, well, why not go back to him again? Mm -hmm. And what I would urge you to do is to put it to him. Here I am. I'm waiting on you. And I'm asking you to fill my life. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm asking. I'm not asking... For a million dollars, I'm not asking for, you know, this degree or anything else. I'm asking to know you and to love you and to serve you. That's what I'm asking. Mm -hmm. And I want you to let me know that that's happening. I like that. That's a good way to end this. So if you've been struggling in your prayer life, um, don't be afraid to go back to it. You know, to, to right. put it back put it to him, put it back to God, and, and once more, entrust yourself to him. That's right. It's been wonderful being with you, Father Welsh. I would love if you would give me and our listeners a final blessing. Sure, I'm happy to do that. And the great Jack Lopica, yes. I just love this guy. I do too. Yeah, how could you not? <laughs> yeah. Lord Jesus, come to these two good men. Give yourself to them so that they know how dear they are to you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.